felt spending time with my piano is so valuable and so fun that I never considered I'm wasting my time or something. This is the Telecom Electronic Beats podcast, the podcast for music, culture and the new now. Hello and welcome to another episode of our ongoing Electronic Beats podcast series. My name is Lindy Delight and today we are speaking with award-winning pianist, composer and musician Hanya Rani. Welcome. How are you? Hello. I'm I'm fine. Thank you. So I want to take it back um, because I'm really curious about your origin story. What ignited your love for music? And I asked this because I heard you mention that the first album you ever acquired was Beethoven's Sonatas when you were only eight. Is this true? Yeah. um, I don't know how it happened really that uh, I think somebody gave me this album. Maybe it was an aunt or a friend uh, of my parents. And uh, to be honest, uh, I started uh, music school when I was seven uh, or maybe even before six or seven. But I really was not into practicing and spending a lot of time in front of a uh, keyboard. So uh, but once I heard this album, I put I think it was one of the first CDs at my home. Um, so when I put it on, I, I somehow fell in love. I, I thought, wow, this is interesting. That's quite energetic because these are the three most famous Beethoven sonatas. So they, they really sounded way more exciting than all the other pieces that I was playing myself. So I, I thought, okay, now I can have something to, you know, aim for. <laughs> and what do you think drew you to such complex music at that age? I, I really don't think it was too complex. I think actually these uh, Beethoven sonatas are quite simply uh, impressive and uh, exciting for every everybody. And that's why they are so famous. There is Moonlight, uh, there is a Moonlight uh, sonata and, uh, you know, with the theme that it's so uh, famous and and become a soundtrack of so many movies. So I guess simply I... I just needed something more complex or more exciting than just a very simple um, melodies for kids. Uh, And I, and that was something that uh, captured my attention. And I felt piano can be really exciting, not only boring, uh, because this is what I knew from my school. So uh, I think this is it. That was the reason. Okay. And so did you learn first learn to play the piano in school? Like, um, were there other in- instruments you were interested in? Or why the piano? Um, so basically in Poland, we have this kind of education that uh, there are a couple of schools that are very kind of professional music schools. So once the kid, you, are, you need to pass an exam mm-hmm. and then um, you are uh, getting a very professional education, which is like you, you, normal subjects like maths and biology, sports are mixed with music subjects. Uh, so the very, from the very, very beginning, you, you have like a full music education education and you are trained to be a a concert pianist or something but to be honest from the very beginning I was uh, not very happy about piano because I really wanted to play violin but my mom said like no I will not stand violin at home so (laughs) so so you just need to to choose the piano but after two years I was uh, happy already I knew that that was the right choice and now I think I couldn't imagine playing any other instrument. 
to me, it's like really fascinating when I'm hearing your music, how improvised your pieces are. And sometimes you can draw parallels to like Niels Fram or Olafur Arnolds. But do you think, say, like flipping the script for what people consider like classical music, that the new generation can find it a bit more accessible? Like, what do you think about that? Yes, definitely. I think also um, there is a lot of factors that made this music quite, uh, you can say, catchy even. Um, because I think there is something very magical about acoustic instruments and, uh, artists that you mentioned, Nils Fram and Oliver Arnold simply use them again in a very modern way. This is how I see it because this is how also I, um, get to know Nils Fram music. Uh, I remember first time listening to one of his piano pieces and I was so impressed because I only knew grand piano recordings in classical music there is almost no not uh, hardly no piano recordings no hardly no upright recordings just a grand and an upright is never used and i was so fascinated and i said oh my god this this is amazing this is so soft but rich and it has so much uh, new color and sounds modern and the music doesn't sound uh, like cliche or anything. So, um, yeah, that, that's, that was, uh, something that brought me to this style. I think it was like a perfect combination of what I had already. So like classical background and skills and knowledge about, you know, music and, um, simply, uh, harmonies and theory and, and access to a very, new word which i think doesn't have really end because i think this this round doesn't have really end because it mixes so well with all new things electronic music singing and you know it's it's very contemporary at some point and i think that kind of ties into um a concert that i saw that you played at circle in paris this summer can you tell me about this a bit i saw you were there with an orchestra and it was in a beautiful location tell me more about this um this event yeah uh well <laughs> that was um very special concert and we were planning this for two years i think there were many different uh ideas where to do it and how to do it and um and of course there was pandemic and there was you know, many obstacles, but in the end, um, we, I decided, I asked Circle if I can bring, um, this kind of, because, uh, the setup that I used was not really very classical. It was more jazzy, I would say, because we had some brass instruments, saxophones, trumpet, and electric guitar as well, drums and double bass and, performed once with this setup um, last year in, in Warsaw for a special concert and I thought it would be maybe the last time we perform and we prepared so much for this we did a new arrangements and stuff and and when Serka uh, came to me I thought maybe it's a good opportunity because I knew it would be recorded and you know uh, it can stay for a longer time and uh, also it includes mostly uh, pieces from my first and second album and now I'm also working on my new album so I thought it's a perfect moment just to have it like a close chapter maybe so that was the, this, the reason of the decision and I'm very glad I'm uh, there alone on stage with five boys <laughs> <laughs> so it's I think also meaningful and 
It was a great pleasure and honor and the circle team is also a wonderful, you know, uh, team of people. And I was really impressed how passionate about music they are. And now I know why this uh, platform and the cycle is so um, popular because they put all their hearts there. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then also it's kind of tapping you, tapping you into, um, another demographic as well. And do you find that sometimes it could be a challenge for younger people to be excited about classical music? Like for example, do your friends listen to it? Well, I think, yes. Uh, um, of course it's way less exciting than uh, hip hop or, or anything else or pop, but to be honest, uh, you know, I just see what what kind of audience I have during my concerts. And uh, maybe this kind of music is a nice bridge in between some, you know, popular music that is now on, on top. And also this a little bit niche music, classical mm -hmm. music. And yeah. maybe this is the key to this more sensitive souls that also look for, for some, I don't know, calm moments or melancholic moments in, in music. And I can see many young faces and this is always very surprising but also nice i sometimes even uh, meet some really young people after my concert and they say yeah i play your music in school and i ask my teacher to get a score or something like this so um to be honest there will be always people who want a little bit more you know more uh, rhythmic or more energetic and there will be always people who really need a little bit more calmness and that's so wonderful but music that you can find your audience there is a place for everyone i think yes i i agree completely i agree completely and and really i, I just want to kind of touch on the improvisation side of things again how important is it for you when you're playing to improvise because to me it seems like many iconic performances like for example keith jarrett's cologne concert comes to mind and improvisation seems sometimes to take music to the next level now it's one of the most important part of my and elements of my work and uh, because I come from a very, you know, classical background, there was actually no improvisation uh, in my education. So I started to improvise just a couple of years ago by myself and I never did any jazz improvisation. I never um, learned anything uh you know i i don't have really experience what i'm doing it's only based on my own experience and my own uh research or needs mm -hmm. um but this is i think something that brings me closer to music let's say that that is talking about freedom which is very important for me because I feel like the most precious moments in recordings, in music, the things that I love and also that you mentioned, the live concert that we remember are those that are unexpected, that are like just on the edge. And um, and that's why I'm working a lot with improvisation and I'm trying always to, uh, and I think many artists do it as well, like from what I know, for example, news from just to have always amplified set at your home and recording studio and always be ready to actually, you know, record what you're improvising or what you're thinking of. It's, um, 
it's it's very important because you can otherwise you can miss something uh, very important and the other step is to also learn how to improvise while recording sessions when why I'm um recording an album or or any kind of soundtrack I always I think learned how to be how to reach for something a little bit more dangerous than what I planned uh, because I think it's uh, precious moments and also I try to encourage other musicians that join me during the session to do the same and it's not always possible but um, when it happened uh, you already feel it and you recognize it very quickly. Wow and so you said you just started doing it um, the improvisation side of things a couple of years ago so what gave you the courage to to start or to try? Uh, it was a coincidence, to be honest, because um, I'm a person who really often say yes to things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and um, many years, or a couple of years ago, a friend of mine who is doing ambient music um, asked me to join him on stage. He's doing electronic ambient music and he was looking for a new kind of live set for for his performance and he asked me and my uh, friend cellist to join him on stage to to make his performance a bit more lively and you know a bit more performative and this music was not written down had no form it was mostly drones and this kind of stuff uh, so we simply had to improvise because you, you couldn't learn this music by heart. You just need to fill it with, with something different every time. Uh, so that was my face first, you know, um, meeting with, with improvised music. And after that, I just started to do it with my own music and more and more, uh, be curious and be brave because you need to be, quite courage to, to to do it on stage especially during live performance so it's still something you know I'm learning and I'm um, trying to amplify it in in my uh, during my shows uh, but I think it's still I'm not still totally free with with improvisation on stage so it's still a process for me so in your opinion, um, what is special about neoclassic? And do you find that some people might find it a bit challenging to classify? Well, I, I think most of the neoclassical artists uh, are quite annoyed when they are classified. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and most of them, they say, yeah, but my music is more electronic or my music is more jazzy or something. Mm -hmm. And I think um, in the end, we all need a little bit to put our environment and reality in order. Otherwise, mm -hmm. we just totally get lost. So I have nothing again against, uh, I think, this title, this genre. Um, and actually, I find it somehow interesting because there is a nail <laughs> in it. Uh, so I find it okay it's at least contemporary it tells a story about you know our contemporary reality and this is what interests me um to be honest with my education classical education now classical genre already appeared uh, in the beginning of uh, 20th century it was mostly connected with prokofiev stravinsky and ravel so uh, it was a little bit misleading for me once somebody uh, 
called my music like this uh but but now i i i have nothing against this and and i think it's a nice bridge simply between what we have behind and what is also very valuable and and what we simply have like what kind of tools we 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 can have now which is probably mostly phonographic uh achievements and all the you know microphones and amplifiers that you can use and all the effects and of course synthesizers although synthesizers are already not a very modern instrument <laughs> but but in general um, i think it's uh, it's interesting yeah find it exciting so it's you you feel needed <laughs> at least would you classify yourself as a neoclassic artist or would you call your art something else entirely oh i don't know i i i'm fine with that i never thought about it i'm doing quite a lot of things that are even not music only uh, that uh, i really don't think about it and uh there was a time when I was beginning and I was trying to say, no, my music is, it's, you cannot classify me, my music and please don't call me like this. But now I, I just do my stuff and, and sometimes people just ask me, oh, you also do this or you also do this. And, and then they are surprised. But I think, you know, you cannot really skip some titles. Maybe it's a little bit difficult because you actually land in a specific Spotify playlist, <laughs> but, but otherwise it's fine. It's okay. Yeah. I guess when you're an artist, it's, it's open and it gives you so much room to explore different parts of your craft and your personality and your, and, um, and your art. So, and you mentioned collaborating with other artists, like how often do you work with other artists? Quite often, especially during pandemic, the, like there was quite a crazy amount of remixes, uh, appearing here and there. And, yeah. and people were just connecting, uh, just, just to be in contact with, with, with somebody. I never actually did something in purpose, uh, with other artists for my own album, but I think mm -hmm. for my next album, it will change <laughs> because I already asked a couple of artists to join. And, and that's, that was also like maybe a moment in my life that I, I had to have these two solo albums behind. And now I want to bring also some other, um, you know, voices and ideas to, to my own music. Um, but basically collaboration is quite present uh, in my life. Also last year, I just released, uh, album for Deutsche Grammophon with uh, Dobrava Choher and my friend cellist. It's quite mixed. Once I just do solo and once it's it's collaborative thing. Yeah. I'm really curious now about inspiration. I love the topic of inspiration. So I want to ask you like what kind of influences um, you when you're composing and what inspires you when you're composing your pieces? Um, I think in general, it, it maybe sounds banal, but life, I just realized that what inspire me, it's just little moments. And sometimes it's even music. Sometimes it's sound, but it never, it's, it's never a sound that I'm just putting on the record. I'm listening and I, I'm getting inspired. And that makes me write a good piece of music. Usually it's just doing a lot of different stuff 
maybe traveling, maybe, um, you know, uh, building installation with, with my friends or just helping in other projects. And, and then there are these little moments that something happens and I'm just always very alone. Then I'm just like, I just feel like I'm just me in my mind nobody else and I just catch this moment and I just realize okay maybe I can do this and I cannot really say how is what is the process but this is what I realized very recently that that it's it's always a mixture of things and it's always you need to put your at least me I need to put myself in a very different environments and very different moments and I just need quite a lot of you know um quite a, I, I need to see life in a full bloom somehow so so I love to experience totally different things but it doesn't yeah it's it's even like putting yourself on the edge just to see how other people are living in a totally different environment or just building something or just doing something that you're totally not skilled with. Um, so this is what inspired me a lot and spaces as well, images, um, situation, just really random things, somebody talking close to me in a metro or something. So so I'm, I'm trying to be very like... If I'm not tired, of course, I, I try to be quite, you know, awake. But also I realize that there is a lot of happening when I'm half awake. For example, when I wake up during the night and I have like some blurry thoughts or something. And now I'm trying to write it down and or just remember my dreams and, you know, all this stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm investigating quite a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and testing different things out because I'm always curious, you know, and it's kind of common that um, that artists say, you know, they they have an idea right before they fall asleep or right when they wake up or in or while they're sleeping. And when that happens, like how you are able to translate that if you have like a paper beside you, or if you have like a um, a phone where you can record just to make sure that you that you keep that thought and keep that that piece of inspiration and memory. Yeah, I always record my phone. Very often I have ideas during the sound check because what inspires me a lot, uh, it's different kind of instruments. So once I sit with different piano than my own, I usually have ideas because it's like, oh, that sounds different than something. And very often I always have my phone uh, and, you know, the recorder. So I'm using it quite a lot. Uh, sometimes it's simply... Yeah, sometimes it's, uh, it, it's just a thought and I don't know if it will work out and I'm just trying. <laughs> so sometimes it's a process. For example, I start with something nice that I like, but I, you know, I don't have an answer immediately for a full thing. Usually, for example, for songs where I have to write lyrics as well, I, I need a little bit of time to come up with idea because I first write music usually because I'm coming from instrumentalist world. So I usually just, you know, start with melody and, and harmonies and lyrics always need to come with kind of, a, it need to be very something that I believe and that is like straight from my heart. And um, so this need to happen. Usually it happens. <laughs> so I, I know being a classically trained pianist, it takes really a lot of discipline. So I'm curious how you like balance the creative part with the structure of being disciplined. This is something that I cannot explain 
too much uh, now because I think I spent, you know, I spent 20 years uh, training to be a classical pianist. So, and I was at some point, uh, I, I become very ambitious. So I was spending eight, 10 hours practicing and I was really passionate about music. I never had, you know, maybe it's, it's strange to say, but I always felt spending time with my piano is so valuable and so fun uh, that I never considered I'm wasting my time or something. Um, so I just learned, I just love this process. It's very meditative as well. Time, not really practicing, but just making my own music or just playing for fun things and, you know, sight reading and stuff. So, um, yeah, but, but this is something that I think I have in my blood. I don't practice anymore so much, unfortunately, because I travel too much or I work a little bit. I just also, um, simply perform way often, uh, than, than before. But, um, I think this background gave me, you know, a solid, uh, amount of skills and technique that now makes my life way easier. And actually I'm quite interested in structure in music because this is, um, mm, this is something what fascinates me that you can have a structure and you can have a form and you can have a, almost a mathema mathematical, you know, way of building something, but in the end it can sound like poetry. So this is something that I really love. And I think, yeah, a good example is music by Bach, that he was always just playing and like composing preludes and fugue. And in the end, it's just a piece of masterpiece. You don't feel like there is so much structure behind. So, I, and I think electronic music also is quite a lot based on structure. And it's really, when you look on the, you know, live sessions of many producers, it looks like symphonies. So, so I, it's also quite impressive how, uh, how music sounds, how music can sound free and like effortless. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Effortless, but yeah. behind there is really a very precise process. So yeah. this is what fascinates me as well. Yeah. It's all in the details and the layers. Yeah. And I hear that in your music as well. And, and you also mentioned earlier about um, um, melancholy. And I really find that when I listen to your music, it does have that beautiful melancholic quality to it. Like how important is melancholy to you in your music? Well, I guess I have something like this inside me all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's you cannot hide. I mean, I'm, I, I guess uh, I'm quite a open and cheerful person but this is something that just it's inside you cannot i mean music tells it all and art tells it all what you have inside and what kind of thoughts and what kind of depth and and probably this is what i have and this is what i cannot help or i cannot hide and i cannot stop it and and i also was born uh by the sea and uh, by the Baltic Sea, so it's quite cold and quite, you know, Scandinavian images and, and gray, beautiful navy blue sky and gray sea. And I think maybe this is also something that, um, 
yeah, that maybe stays somehow like stick to me and, and, you know, this, this horizon, um, ability to see the horizon. Yeah, probably. And I, and I also want to talk to you about your album, Essia, and which has recently come, come out on, on Gondwana Records. Firstly, I'm curious about the word. What does it mean? It's a name of a mountain range in um, Iceland. Uh, and that was uh, many years ago. I just um, met an Icelandic girl. Uh, and she uh, I was studying uh, back then in Berlin and I, it was the first girl that I met uh, during German classes and we immediately become friends and we are friends till now and very soon later she simply invited me to Iceland uh, to make a project with her as well and this, that was the first thing that I saw because this is like the mountain that you can see from uh, many, many angles of Reykjavik and in Iceland, the weather is changing, you know, I think a couple of times during the day. So you can have snow, you can have sun, you can have rain, wind and, you know, many, many different kind of stuff. So this mountain always looked different. So I was asking, is this the same mountain? And I was quite fascinated that it's like so simple, not too high, but changing all the time changing. And I asked about the name of the mountain and she said like yeah well, actually it's it's Etia. yeah we it's not very special but uh <laughs> it's a special uh, meaning for you yeah it's it's beautiful yeah and i thought well it's perfect it's like just not a very special thing which actually is one of the most amazing that i have seen and that was the name of my very first piece that i wrote myself uh composed myself to me like among other things it sounds like a master class in the power of subtlety and I'm really curious, like how, how did you approach composing the album? Um, actually, um, I was composing both of them a little bit at the same time. That's why I released STI in 2019 and Home one year after, because I already have most of the album composed, maybe not produced yet, but composed. Um, so, uh, because my first idea about the first album was that actually it would be something closer to home. So mixed, uh, tracks, a little bit of piano solo tracks, a little bit of singing, a little bit of more complex pieces. Uh, but then with my label, we decided we should go with solo piano first and, and home should be the second one. And that's why I had a little bit more time maybe to, um, to develop my ideas and I invited as well um, double bassist and, and drums, which made, I think, this album tiny different from what I had in mind before. And uh, I'm also singing on the second album. So that was a, a big difference. And I was quite, uh, of course, um, also stressed a little bit, maybe even, because I didn't know how people would like it. Asia was quite a big step for me and there was quite a lot of positive comments about this and and the home was cool, a little bit different but um, I was lucky enough that people was open for both faces of Hanyarani and and they just liked it I think as as Asia and and this is what I am also doing live. I'm always mixing a little bit of instrumental music with singing and uh, I will want to keep this direction. 
Yeah. It's like the evolution of your career. And yeah, I also really enjoyed hearing you sing on, on some of your pieces. And what inspired you to start singing and to try that out? So basically, I composed a piece, uh, a song. It was never released, actually. Uh, I comp composed a song and I, nobody wanted to record vocals. <laughs> Everybody was busy at this moment, and I said, "Okay, I just I just record myself. I will just try." Um, and this is how it happened. And the thing is that the song uh, I sent it to the competition in Poland. Uh, it was kind of you know um, young talents competition, and you could win a performance at the big music festival in Poland, and I won it. Oh wow! <laughs> So I had to perform this song live and, and this is how it happened. How did you feel performing in front of people the song for the first time? Oh, that was terrible. I mean, I was super stressed, you know, because, you know, voice is instrument. You also need to get some skills you, to, be, to be able to perform it uh, on stage. It's so different comparing just to sing at home under the shower or something. Uh, so I feel... After I, I can say maybe just now I'm more courageous about, uh, about singing on stage. And now I feel, okay, this is my other tool, my other instrument. I feel fine with it. I also maybe got used to the sound of my voice and possibilities and the range that is actually comfortable for me because I have quite a high voice, but actually singing too high, it's not comfortable for me. So I always try to, um, to have something in the middle range and, and then my voice is a, a bit warmer. Um, so it took a while. It took a while. Yeah. And I, and I know you mentioned, um, your home in Poland and how that affected your, um, I guess like kind of the melancholic part of your personality and your character, but like, what role does your heritage play, um, in your journey as an artist? Well, I think it's quite important. You never can cut it out and and I think I, I don't want also I think it's quite a big maybe power of me because I think like the part of the world that I come from it's still very very much different from Western Europe although Poland is developing quite fast but still we are way closer to you know eastern part uh, of of the continent and uh, I think there is something also um, a lot of very much complex history, different traditions, different approach, maybe even to 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 people and and, and stuff like this. And I uh, and I love it about myself. And and I think this is something maybe even interesting for other people that I'm bringing a little bit different uh, values. I don't know if it really affects my music because I'm not really using any kind of folk music, folk Polish music. But definitely, if you would really dig uh, very deep, probably you could see, okay, these melodies can be connected to some, I don't know, Polish lullabies that my mother was singing to me or maybe even some music that I heard in the church because Poland is a Catholic country. So there is quite a lot of, you know, music that you just know because, uh, you just heard it somewhere. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, um, and we have, we are, we are quite emotional. <laughs> 
so maybe this is also an important uh, yeah we are not cold hearted uh nation i think we are quite impulsive and and quite emotional so i think it's also important part Yes. And and so where are you based now? Are you based in Berlin or are you, where are you based now? Yeah. Last couple of years uh, was a bit like in a transfer and I was trying different parts of Europe actually. Uh, last, this year I was spending quite a lot of time in Switzerland and this is where I also compose a big part of my next album. And now I'm maybe, maybe... Um, moving to Amsterdam, and this is from where I'm also talking now. So, <laughs> okay. Oh, Amsterdam is beautiful. <laughs> But when you when you did call Berlin your second home, like how did how did the city influence you as an artist? Not only as an artist, how did the city influence you as a woman? I think it's one of the most important cities in my life uh, because I. I wonder, I think, when I was 24 or 23, uh, to study, uh, to study piano. It was still a classical music university. Uh, so I had, you know, totally different plan for my life back then. Um, but still, um, first of all, the city is, is so much different than Warsaw that I was living before. It just, gave me a lot of freedom uh just to be myself it it wasn't like it was funny for me because i i was uh, expecting just to see a very crazy city crazy people and just you know every like just hippies <laughs> and i just have seen um a place for everyone there was a lot of just people to, to have a, a that want to have a calm life with their kids there are people who are just office uh, workers or um, DJs, of course, crazy artists or like multicultural, of course. Basically, I just felt, okay, you, I can just be myself and it's enough and, and that's nice. And also my school was full of different nations and languages and beliefs and, and we are so mixed, uh, that you really couldn't be, uh, there, 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 There was no like option for prejudice because otherwise you would not have any friends or you would never have a nice conversation. So you very quickly learn that people are in the end very similar and we are all similar and, and this is the most exciting part. And, um, after second year, I took, um, half of a year of a break from my university. And I started to uh, record my album Asia. So I I already felt, okay, I just need to do my own stuff. And I give it a try for a couple of months. And after uh, I finished school, I just, uh, you know, played my uh, last exam. I wrote a thesis. And after the last day of my university, I never performed like live classical music again. I just straight away jumped into my own projects and my own composing. And I just felt it's enough. I spent so many years and I, I thought, oh, it's it was an amazing journey, but I'm just trying something else now. And I still love classical music and I listen with, you know, pleasure, but um, 
I, I don't really feel I need to perform it anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was, you had your time and then it was your time to go off and do your, and do your thing. And it seemed like the perfect timing. Yeah. And definitely Berlin had a, like, it was important place also, you know, just to learn about electronic music, techno music, uh, just to go to many, many different concerts, different venues, different kind of events that was like very eclectic mixing, totally different things together something very classical and then something totally crazy and out of the box and so yeah i i feel like um yeah very very i think it's still important for many artists and and still a important base but <laughs> uh so i know that you're going to be playing the beethoven fest in bonn on the 17th of september i just wanted to ask you what you're looking forward to the most about that concert well i'm coming back to bonn actually because i played there a concert i think in 2019 just mm -hmm. before pandemic and it was a very beautiful memory and i'm just very excited because i'm uh finishing the tour called hello uh, where i'm bringing i'm just alone on stage and i'm bringing a lot of keyboards on stage and and this is quite a special set for me because also very deliberating moment just to just to be you know alone and just to say what you want to say and we'll be finishing this tour uh in the end of the year so after that uh i will be just you know preparing already the new material so i think it's just maybe the very last moment to to see the set in germany and i'm very happy to do it again in bonn i had a very good memories great that sounds really exciting and and hello how did you come up with that name and and what is what's the meaning behind it for this tour well um it was a bit of a joke maybe okay <laughs> uh, it was a joke but also it's a title of my song and it actually will come with a third album and uh, with this tour, I'm already trying out a couple of new tracks. So I'm performing, you know, mixture of tracks from the first and second album, some unreleased projects, but also I'm trying out the, some new material and I'm just seeing uh, how people react. And this also helps me to develop them afterwards and produce them. Uh, and this is what I did already with Asia and, and Home. And, and this, this is the process that I really enjoy uh, just to be able to see uh, I learn a lot from performing the tracks that are still unreleased because it gives me a lot of thoughts how people also the ener how energy flows and how I, can, how I can even put in order my tracks afterwards so this is why it's hello because it's it's a little bit like I'm already thinking step ahead what will happen next with these tracks yeah always one step ahead even more. <laughs> so tell me, it's the last question, but um, what is your all-time favorite piece of music? And this could be something that you've made yourself or from someone else. I think maybe it should be Beethoven Sonata. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe this is something. <laughs> yeah, I think I should go back to this because, of course, I have a lot of favorite tracks now during Cabo last year that, t that are totally not sound, they don't sound like Beethoven, but I think there is something that I always come back to Beethoven and he always moves me a lot. So uh, I think it's be um, 
Yeah, the Beethoven Sonata. I think I don't know it's if it's uh, translated into English like this, but it's uh, we call it in Polish pathetic, uh, something this. So it's one of these very famous free sonatas. So this one would be my choice. Okay, thank you. I will definitely have a listen to that when we finish speaking. <laughs> so I just want to thank you so much for joining us today. It was really a pleasure to meet you and get to know you. And um, yeah, good luck with the concert uh, next month. And yes, thank you. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure as well. Yeah, so take care and see you soon. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you like, there are many other Electronic Beats podcast episodes that you can find on all of the usual podcast platforms. We would love for you to check them out and subscribe or leave us some feedback on our social media channels. Till next time.